Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast. I'm David Partain. I am joined with my co-host, Laura Gregg. Hello, Laura. Hey, David. How are you doing today? I am well, and it's not bad for a December day, so it is good here in Chicago. On the Flexible Advisor, we seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actual ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses while deepening client relationships. In that regard, we're thrilled to welcome a fellow researcher to the show today, Julie Littlechild. Julie is the founder and CEO of Absolute Engagement, an advisor coaching firm that guides advisors through a discovery process that connects the feedback directly from the clients to the advisor to help identify and develop an action plan to help those firms achieve their most important goals. She is a recognized expert on the drivers and evolution of client experience, client engagement, and referral growth. Julie has worked with and studied successful financial advisors and their clients for more than 25 years. Prior to founding Absolute Engagement, she launched and ran one of the industry's leading client engagement-focused research firms. She is the author of a popular blog and the author of the book, The Pursuit of Absolute Engagement, Intentionally Design a Business that Supports the Life You Really Want to Live. Julie sits on an Investment and Wealth Institute Advisory Board, was twice identified as one of the 25 most influential people in financial planning, and she won an Industry Influencer Award in Practice Management. Julie, we are so pleased and thanks for taking the time to join us on The Flexible Advisor. Oh, David, Laura, thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, Julie, I'm really, we we get a little bit geeky here. We love. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get our geek Excellent. on. So we, we do a lot of research, as you may know, but not nearly as much as you've been doing for the last 25 years. Um, and I was really interested to see that you were working with investors the Investments and in Wealth Institute. We have worked with them, not on our research, but in other capacities. And I'm hoping you could tell us a little bit about the reasons behind your research and how it informs the work that you're doing at Absolute Engagement. Yeah, happy to. Um, it's, it's everything to us. It, and that, I say that it's interesting. It's not a, the biggest part of our business per se, but it's a critical part of our business because we're just believers that if we are going to be talking to advisors about client experience or growth, that we need to base that on something. We can't just uh, make assumptions. We can't only rely on experience. And so we've always been of the mind that we need to be talking to investors, understand what they need, want, and expect. And, And that informs the work we do in a lot of different ways. It gives us a benchmark for our client feedback work, and it informs virtually all of the training and support that we provide to advisors as well. So it's a it's a big deal for us. And I, if you don't mind going a little bit deeper there, um, when, when you mm-hmm. do the, the client research, what, what does that look like for an advisor that partners with absolute engagement? How does, how does that work? Yeah. So when we talk about research, 
in a way, there's two different parts to that. There's the work that we do day to day with advisors, which is research based, right? We we work uh, deeply with advisors and advisory firms, and we conduct uh, design and and implement voice of the client strategies for those firms. And so obviously that's a form of research. Uh, separate from that, we go out every year and we talk to about 1,200 investors across the country. And that gives us a more um, uh, objective, if you will, read on what it is, is on the minds of clients. So the research feeds into both sides of our business. Got it. Got it. And those investors, is it uh, from a range of of uh, income and asset levels, or do you do you focus just on high net worth, or what does that look like? Yeah, we focus more on higher net worth. So we wanted to do research that reflected the kind of clients that advisors were targeting, and so the primary criteria are a that they work with a financial advisor, uh, b that they actually um, contribute or make the financial decisions in the household so that they have an opinion on the advisory relationship. And then finally, we set some uh, household uh, wealth goals, uh, um, investable asset goals. So the minimum is a half million. And then we go up from there. So we've got samples at sort of a half million to a million, one to 4.9, and then 5 million plus. I've seen you speak at uh, past investment news conferences, and um, so I signed up to receive your blogs, which I uh, am always excited to see them in my inbox each week. Um, And each time I saw one, I'm like, I I need to reach out. I need to introduce myself to Julie. Um, But there was one that came across where it's like, that's it today. (laughs) Today I'm calling. And uh, that was titled, I'm fine or am I? Uh, It just really caught my attention and um, thought that the the people that listen to this podcast would find a lot of value in it. Uh, And in that blog post, you warn about the dangers of asking the question, how are you? Because in most cases, I noticed usually for me, the go-to response is, I'm fine. When you talk about in many cases, they may, your client may not be fine at all, or they may be fine in certain circumstances, but not in others. So I'm hoping you can tell us a a bit about how advisors should be engaging with their clients to better understand their concerns. And what's the, what are some of the questions they should be asking instead of how are you? Yeah, this is, this is something that I think is so important. And and maybe to an extent counterintuitive, because the reality is the, the great advisors that I'm sure we all know have deep conversations with their clients. They, they, would, they would certainly tell us that they do that. But I have noticed, and I think this has become more acute over the last couple of years for, for obvious reasons, that we get so focused on the things we need to talk about, the, the agenda items that we've prepared for a client that it's easy to, to forget to go deeper on how they're really doing. And you're right. We, we live in a, in a world where I'm fine could mean anything from I don't want to talk about it. Maybe that's just in my household. There's just, there's just nothing going on right now. Like their clients don't know necessarily how to answer that. And we take that at face value. But I think if we, if we think about the questions that we ask of our clients... And, and 
and appreciate or acknowledge that the role of doing that or the reason we do that isn't just to gather information, but it's actually to give our clients the space to think about how they're feeling, to label how they're feeling, to articulate that, then it becomes more of a powerful process. And, and when, we, when we look at, at, at asking how clients are doing through that lens, we're probably not going to stop with, how are you doing? I'm fine. Okay, let's talk about tax planning. Um, it's, it, we're, we're going to dig deeper. And, and so I, I don't suppose there's anything wrong with saying, how are you? It's just that we don't want to stop there. You mentioned that, that blog. The other, the other one that I, I wrote, and I think I called it something like the, the single data point that scared me the most, is, is very much related. And it was when we asked inv- advisors or investors, excuse me, if their advisor had asked how the pandemic had impacted their financial future, and, um, and we found that two-thirds said their advisor hadn't asked that question. I thought, wow, like that's that's the kind of question that we need to to be asking. And so I think these important conversations sometimes do get a bit buried in small talk, right? Yeah, how you doing? How the kids? Yeah, good, good, good. Um, But if we if we really think about it, as I said, clients aren't always good at articulating how they're feeling, and you can help them with that. They may not know exactly how they're feeling. They may get narrowly focused on the technical work that they're about to discuss with you and forget or fail to mention that there's other stuff on their mind. They may not be comfortable sharing. They, they even may not feel like they have a right to complain because let's face it, we're talking about people whose often lives are are they feeling grateful for everything that they have? And, and who am I to tell you that I'm worried about this, that, or the other thing when things don't look good? So we've got, this is all the context that we're facing. So I think if we can learn to dig in, we'll be in better shape. So you can't see it, but uh, uh, my, my eyes are welling up because you're mentioning all the things that when I say I'm fine, I really mean this. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I do agree with you that I'm fine can mean a lot of different things. So if we go further into that article, you also wrote about the opportunity to demonstrate leadership to your clients. So tell us a bit about how advisors can or should focus on that leadership angle and what exactly does that look like? I think, yeah, I think those two things are really connected, right? Because a great leader asks great questions, doesn't always have the answers, but is a, is a great guide. One of our, our coaches that we work with um, says it best. She always says, the problem with great questions is that they, ha- they often have answers. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's actually the problem. <laughs> what do we say when there's an answer? But, um, but this concept of leadership, um, David, actually goes back to a framework that we developed when we first started doing investor research. And that goes back to 2008. And and what we found at the time is that um, there was a path, if you will, from having clients who were merely satisfied to more profoundly engaged. And the path meant the foundation, it was just getting service right, delivering good service up toward engagement, it was getting the offer. And at the top was what we called leadership. And the word that clients used unaided when we asked them what that meant 
um, was things like guidance. My, my advisor has a deep understanding of my needs. They, they're guiding me toward some bigger conclusion. It's almost like they're, they're taking me by the hand and guiding me through my financial life. And so at the, at the highest level, I think that's what leadership is about, is understanding the context of money and investments, asking the right questions, and, and being that person who can, can look at the bigger picture. But the way that can manifest, if we think about it in more practical or tactical terms, is through the client conversation. So just what we were just talking about. Leadership is demonstrated when we ask the right questions, when we pause and give clients to think, when we dig deeper and then bring that back to the plan. And I think it can also be demonstrated through our communications, hyper-personalized, targeted communications based on the things that I'm thinking about as a client or I'm worried about. To me, that's another form of leadership, guidance. And I think it's a key differentiator for for great advisors. Something struck me when you were just speaking, Julie, and it brought me back to some research that FlexShares did on on high net worth primary breadwinners a couple of years ago. And hopefully we're going to revisit that in 2022. But one of the things we, as an industry, we always hear is that women are not loyal to their advisors. They leave their advisors after death or divorce. And, and so for, for our subset of women that we were surveying, again, these were primary breadwinners, high-powered executives, professionals. And what we found was the exact opposite, that they were actually, they seemed to be more loyal than their male counterparts. But the, the thing in there that, that impacted that was, well, one, they probably chose their advisor, had a bigger role in it, but also they, they talked about the relationship that they wanted to have. They talked about their expectation that their advisor is that, that guide, that leader that you talked about, that they, they, they didn't want to have to come up with the questions to ask the advisor. They wanted their advisor to be proactive and come to them and say, you mentioned this, and I think we should start planning for that because of that. And, and that just helping them take stuff off of their plate was critical. And, and it just, it reminded me of that as you were talking about the leadership and the guidance. Absolutely. And, and we see that as well. We see females as being um, often more loyal, um, but again, when it's the right relationship. <laughs> and, and so to that point, but and I, I can't speak for my gender nor the human race here, but I, I can say that if I'm sitting down with someone who's talking to me about money, I want them to see my whole life and I want them to appreciate that. I want them to look at me and say, hang on. So Julie, let me get this right. You're in your fifties. You've got a 12 year old son. You're running a business. It's during COVID. You get, Man, what's that like for you? Like, when you get me and anyone at that level, that's going to lead into a lot of financial discussions. But I think it's so critical that we all feel acknowledged and understood in that way. And maybe that's what you're seeing in that data. In that blog post, it really wasn't all that many words, but there were a lot of deep concepts that, <laughs> that you touched upon in there. And, and one of them was that you called out how clients can sometimes, and you mentioned this earlier in our discussion today, uh, sometimes be feeling anxious or frozen, uh, making it difficult, you know, making it difficult to understand what's going on. And it, recently on the Flexible Advisor, we devoted a show 
uh, to the topic of, of stress and anxiety. And Dr. Chloe Carmichael, who's a clinical psychologist, joined us. And um, we talked about some research that we had done on advisor wellness at FlexShares and how advisors can manage conversations around stress and anxiety with their clients. So I understand that you are not uh, a mental health professional. You are many things, but you're not that. <laughs> Nobody wants to come to me. But for I'm that. curious, that. does this <laughs> does this topic ever come up? And how does your team coach advisor client advisors to manage conversations with clients that may tiptoe into mental health or even just stress and anxiety where there's not a an illness? Um, how should they be tackling those really delicate situations? I think the first part is just that they're tackling them. <laughs> that might sound entirely obvious, but it means to tackle that we've asked the right questions. And, and I can tell you absolutely when we talk to investors about what's on their mind uh, over the last couple of years, health and wellness and managing personal and financial stress or family stress is, is right up there. So I think it's, it's incredibly important context. And we all know that when we're under stress, we're, we, we find it hard to think clearly, we find it hard to make decisions, we do feel stuck. And, and that is the, the death knell when it comes to our financial future. So A, I think it's really important. Um, the way that, you know, and again, this might sound incredibly simple, and maybe that's not a bad thing, but we, the client, the advisors that we work with, it's all about, are they asking the right questions? And in fact, are they asking some of those questions before they sit down with a client? So for example, we have something we call a client self-confidence index. And it's a, it's, a, it's a measure of where a client is at at the moment. Do they feel in control? Do they feel confident? Do they, do they feel secure? And what we found is that if advisors could invite a little bit of input before the review meeting and get that input separately from partners or husband and wife or families in some cases, that they could use that to have a deeper conversation. So now instead of, okay, here's the 12 things we're going to talk about, we we sit down and say, hey, I, I saw that... Uh, I saw that you said you, you were feeling a little out of control right now. Can we talk about that? Or what does that look like in your life? Or, or how are you feeling? And just, again, giving them that space, uh, pausing to let them talk, let them think that through and, and clear the decks. That's how I always think about it is if, we, if we're going to talk about money and investments, You've got to clear the decks so that I can talk about money and investments. And just having these conversations, I think, is a big part of that. That's really powerful. And I want to broaden the scope here and, and talk about your firm, Absolute Engagement. I love the website. Uh, so how do you and your team of coaches help advisors? So our goal is to help advisory firms and advisors to really capture and then actively use input from their clients to drive engagement and growth. And so for, for some of our clients, that looks like doing a client survey every couple of years, uh, but going deeper, not, not a SAT survey. We, we look at satisfaction. We look at net promoter, of course, but really going into what's on the mind of your clients, what are their concerns, what are their interests, what are those unmet needs so that they can have those conversations 
And for other of our clients, our larger clients, that might mean a broader based voice of the client strategy, doing survey, ongoing feedback, pulse polls, gathering that input before a review meeting. As I was giving that example, it's a real example of how some advisors are working. So that's our world. If I had to summarize what we've been talking about today, and we've covered a lot of topics, but really it all comes down to building strong, sticky relationships with clients. And I'm hoping you could give us some takeaways for easy steps that advisors can take after hearing this that can help them reach some low-hanging fruit, if you will, and then maybe other things that they need to be more intentional about in terms of relationship building, things that are going to require them to do some planning and may take a longer time frame to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if we if we bring it back to the idea of asking the right questions. Um, Short term, if we just took 10 minutes at the start of a meeting to talk about how the client's feeling. Now, again, we've said that it's got to be in a very specific way. And if you don't have the natural skill sets to dig in the way, say, a coach might, then one of the easiest things that, that I've seen is is simply sharing some stats about how other people are feeling and using that as a way to dig in. So for example, uh, sitting down with a client and saying, hey, I saw this study and it said that the the top concerns of investors right now actually have nothing to do with money. It's about health and managing stress and making sure the kids are going to be okay or caring for aging parents, real stuff, right? There's real research out there that says that. I'd love to know what you think about that. What's on your mind? So the fact that you're using research as a prelude means you're telling the client, you're, you're narrowing the focus, you're, you're, you're focusing them on some specific topics, and you're telling them other people feel this way too. And so just having trying a different conversation, I think, is, is the simplest thing that we can do in the short term, longer term, I think implementing a process to, to invite that kind of input more formally before you sit down with a client, right? Can you rate your level of concern with these four things? And then using that uh, to co-create your agenda with clients. I think there are some things that we can do there to formalize it, but just starting with that kind of conversation, I think we'll will be eye-opening. Julie, you have such great information and it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Oh, David, Laura, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me today. If you're an advisor and would like to know more about absolute engagement process for advisory firms and larger enterprises, along with gaining access to one of our favorite blogs, Absolute Engagement, just visit absoluteengagement.com. That's all one word, absoluteengagement.com. And don't forget to pick up Julie's book, The Pursuit of Absolute Engagement. If you like this podcast, you may also like the other Flick Shows podcast called Funds in Focus. Check it out today and you will find it wherever you get your podcasts. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. 
Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.